Hey guys, so welcome back to another episode of Fight in Progress with Susan Simmons and Ace Walker. Today we have a special episode with a guy that I've worked with for a little while, a guy who's been in policing for 22 years. Um, he's going to go by the name Tua today uh, as a moniker, just to uh, protect his identity from the department. Um, this was a really fun episode. We talked about a lot of stuff that he's been going through and has gone through before. Um, he's been part of the crisis or SISM team in his department. For a long time, he founded the major unit that makes that up now. Uh, during this podcast, we had a couple malfunctions, so you're going to have some breaks in recording. The unit that records actually died, so I had to get that back up and running. And then on top of that, he ended up getting a phone call towards the end, so we had to break there because it was important and it was from his command staff. So we have a couple of breaks there. I hope it blends in together smooth and that my editing isn't awful. Um, but thanks for joining us on today's episode, guys. We look forward to seeing you next time. Um, enjoy. Thank you to Universal MMA and Fitness for sponsoring today's episode. You can find their info in the description below. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 17. Are you sure? Fu- well, I think so. <laughs> we keep changing it. Well, we didn't. We changed it once, and now I'm out no, of whack. No, we dropped one. I'm out of sorts. Well, uh, right. I just wasn't going to do 13 Well, I didn't know you were so superstitious. I'm not, but it's 2020. That's true. It's this changed year's, a lot of things in my life. Pretty- Does that mean you guys skipped episode 13? We did. Yes. yes. You're supposed to. I, yeah, okay. I think so too. Yeah. See, like, well, like, see, like elevators like and hotels, hotel, they don't right. have a thirteenth level. Right, a lot right. of the smart ones don't. Yeah. yeah. See, right. I'm not. Okay. So, I'm right. not old okay. and stupid. Okay. Well, I mean, not all the time. It's debatable. <laughs> um, so, as you guys can hear, we have a guest today. This is uh, Tua. That's the moniker, at least, that we're going to go by today. Um, and he has uh, a story about something that happened to him. Something that we talk about a lot is issues with departments trying to take care of their own. Um, and not really being equipped to do that. And right. then when they don't try to take care of their own and they send them to other professionals, that they're not perfectly equipped. So we try to combine all these tools that we have. So he's kind of got a little bit of a horror story um, that kind of illustrates some of these problems. Um, and we're here to talk to him today and hear about his story. Yeah, so. and hopefully I'll learn from it and realize that, um, you know, there are better ways to do things sometimes. We just have to... Yeah. Open up and listen. So, yeah. welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you, thank Fight you. Fight in progress. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess to give some of my background is, I would say about nine, eight, nine years ago, mm-hmm. I was in a very dark place. Okay. I mean, to the point that, I mean, I, can I say it on the podcast? Yeah, I mean, yeah. to the point that I was actually somewhat suicidal sure. because I was in a miserable marriage and. What's uh, when they say money can't buy happiness? I will pay for that divorce again and again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want you to and I want you to explain it too, like you did to me when I met you the first time, and you said that you feel like officers are known for um, digging their own hole. Yeah, I mean the best way I can describe it is like as kids we like digging holes because that's what guys do. You just dig a hole. Why? Sure. I don't know. I'm going to dig a hole. It's true. I always brought a shovel to the beach. Exactly. See? <laughs> I don't know what it is. And so and well, like with this marriage and with the financial portion of the marriage it was like I started digging a small hole and next thing you know the hole is easily best way to describe it it's like 10 foot 10 feet in circumference and I just kept going down and down and down until I'm like 10 feet down and I can't see the top and I'm since I'm large I'm not going to jump out <laughs> and so so it was like when I got to that bottom of that hole I threw the shovel out and I looked up and you could barely see light you might see shadows but that's it I mean that's the best way I could describe how I was at that point in my life yeah. and at that point I mean 
And law enforcement, if you said the word suicide, either you'd be going to a call and or because if right. it's on you, that's bad stigma. You're going to. And how long had you been in law enforcement at that point? At that point, I had been in almost 10 years. So you had a lot, lot of garbage in the garbage can as we talk about it yep. under the shield. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. exactly. So, I mean, you figure 10 years of everything I had seen, done, family was literally going to shit. Yep. I felt my finances were going to shit. Sure. I mean, and to describe what happened to me was is during that time in my life, I started writing letters to people, mm-hmm. the ones that meant the most to me. When I sat down to write my final letter to my, my youngest child, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I, that pen could not touch the paper. In that moment, I was like, okay, I have something to do. Sure. So the next morning, I woke up at an ungodly hour because <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> and here's a funny part is like, I'm going to go for a run. So I put on running clothes. And by then, I had ballooned up to over 400 pounds. Oh, geez. Yeah, I was I was a large Marge. So anyway, <laughs> I get out to the street. I could not even run from one streetlight to the next. Dang. Wow. Yeah, I was out of breath. I'm like, man. And I realized it was like something clicked in my head. You are not living. You are dying. But you're not killing yourself quickly. You're doing it slowly. Slowly. Yeah. Yes. Jeez. And so at that point, that's when I slowly started doing little things at a time. All right, I'm going to walk every day until I can jog a streetlight, jog two streetlights. And even then, I, the whole time I'm still doing law enforcement, and <laughs> I'm, I'm masking all my uh, all my emotions behind my humor. Why why were you not talking to anyone at that stage? I didn't know what kind of resources were out there. Gotcha. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know who I could trust. Sure. And I, if I said the word suicide, yep. what's going to happen then? What happened? What happened to me now? Right. <laughs> yeah. You right. said you said like you were you were masking everything that you were you were dealing with, and you kind of uncovered some issues. Like some, you kind of started discovering problems that you were having. You're yeah. killing yourself slowly. I noticed for me that that was that's actually when it became dangerous for me. Was I so I I realized life was kind of rough, like all of a sudden, and so I started to work on things and I started discovering all these issues, yeah. and that's when I fell to pieces. Yeah. That's and then I, I gave him issues, told him about issues. <laughs> he didn't even know he had. I, I mean, I'm creating issues. Yeah, I'm lucky to be alive, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I guess everybody's journey is a little different. That's crazy, though, that you just kind of couldn't write down that page. It, yeah. It's almost like that would have been closure, and you just didn't want that. Well, it was going to be the final, yeah, the final thing, and yeah. and then he's got to make a decision: Am I going through with it or not? Right. And, and, and let me say this, and I've said this on other podcasts, we've talked about suicide, because I think this is one worth talking about over and over and over and over again, is the fact that these are normal thoughts in this industry. Suicidal thoughts are normal thoughts. Any cop who's really done this job for any length of time, if they tell you they've never had a suicidal thought, I'll show you a liar or somebody who's never worked the job. And again, it's not, you know, you were going a little bit farther in yours in that you were actually writing letters, but you got to the one that was probably the most important that you went, ah, no, this really isn't what I want to do. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what happens. And that's what shows this is not a suicide in this industry is not about mental illness. You guys are batshit crazy. Let's just <laughs> let's just put it out there. Because yeah. there's nothing about this job on paper that makes sense. Nothing. If you write out your job description and your salaries that went with it, 
you'd go, what, huh? No, who would do that <laughs> yeah. job? Yeah. Constantly get into an unfair fight and have rules that the other people don't have to play well, by. Well, and you and work not weekends and holidays and you're away from your families <laughs> yeah. and they don't like you anymore and your friends don't like you anymore. Yeah. Oh, it looks like something I'd sign up for tomorrow. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and, like, and like you said, the, like family and friends, I don't want to be around my family. Mm-hmm. I remember... If I could pull it two, three extra shifts, I would. Sure. It'd be fantastic because at least there I felt somewhat needed on that. Right. Use your key. Yeah. I mean, I would back into my driveway. Yeah, I love backing my car and everything out in the Hawaii. But anyway. I know. And it rubs off on y'all. Yeah. Go look at my car in the garage. It is backed into the garage. <laughs> this stuff is contagious. Yeah. Y'all are going to make me crazy. They're good Crazier. They're good yeah. Yeah. And then I would literally sit in my driveway and cry until I was done before I went into my own home. Sure. Because I would walk into my house and see my ex-wife and be like, ah, damn it. What's, what's <laughs> your story now? Here. Yeah. She, she didn't just vanish. <laughs> she made it another day. Exactly. <laughs> but I just want people to know this, and I think this is the boat that mental health misses so many times in law enforcement, is when they hear some an officer suicidal, they think mental illness. I think y'all think mental illness. And the reality is, it's not. It is that garbage can that has gotten full. Nobody's taught you about it. You don't know how to empty it. Your analogy of being in a hole and you've thrown your only resource out that might possibly help you somehow. I'm not sure what the shovel would do, except dig you deeper. But the reality is you you don't know where to turn. And this is why Under the Shield was even formed in the beginning in 1992. Wow. And that's why your story is so important. We had another officer who will actually be on with us next week. Um, Chris, that uh, everybody has heard his story about being yep. suicidal and busted. He was busted in rank from sergeant. And now he's probably one of the most highly respected officers yep. at his department. And they want him to promote. And I'm threatening him within an inch of his life if he does. And he says, fat chance. <laughs> and yeah. He ain't going to do it. <laughs> and this is why it's so important to have people like you on here who are veteran officers who aren't mentally ill. Talk about how this job and everything takes its toll. Yeah, and yeah. like like back you talked about. I mean, go kind of back to my journey about how I got part of the the team. Mm-hmm. Is that when I finally started seeing health, I started seeing weight loss, I started enjoying the little things in life again, finding hobbies. I realized I did it alone. Yes, and I sat back in my chair one day thinking, I don't want another officer to ever do this alone. I know how dark it is. I know how sad it is. I know how lonely it is. I I don't need you crying on the way home. I don't need you sitting in a park that you've never been at to cry so no one sees you so you don't feel less manly. Sure. And that's why I started getting real good part of uh, peer support and CISM teams. I started doing my research because I'm like, if I can help some ways, I didn't know any other way. Right. Because I was like, and I... Then uh, the poor we work, they, they had a really small team of people I know they didn't trust. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to get on this. Team. Oh, there yeah. was already a peer support team. Eh. Sort of. Okay. <laughs> Impromptu. Okay. okay. Yeah. Eh. And so there were people who called themselves peer support. Exactly. <laughs> right. But there were a couple people that no one would trust with sure. anything. I mean, I wouldn't trust them with a potato gun. I hear you. <laughs> so. yeah, a that lot clever. of people I wouldn't trust with a potato gun. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, and so, and. And that's why I was like, okay, I started finding resources, going to conferences, doing all I can because that's all I knew. I mean, I knew what they sent out in the PD emails that, hey, look at this change available. Ooh, that has to do with mental health. I'm going to find out about that. And then also during that process to try and find myself a little bit is also start doing uh, 
taking courses at local university, a religious class. Like, okay, let's find out a little bit more about religion, God, and everything else. I know the beliefs I grew up, but I know there's got to be other ones just as good that are just as helpful and mm-hmm. not so judgmental. Right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> we won't name <laughs> those religions right off, but I'm sure everybody knows them. Um, Another good discussion. Though. Yes. Yeah. And so, I mean, literally, and that's where I started finally finding health and goodness. And I found people were starting to trust me. And I was like, wow, this is great. I'm actually, people are willing to trust me because I had no problem telling parts of my story. I never told all my story. Mm-hmm. And then I found a good counselor and mm-hmm. he helped me through a lot. Cause one of the first things he said to me is when I walked in, cause I, I tested like four or five other counselors just to help. <laughs> None of them took, I walked into one, I sit in his office. He's like, so why you fucked up? <laughs> And I was like, you are the man. I appreciate that comment. I was going to say, right it sounds like bat. Susan. I'm not sure where this is it going. It does. It's a male version of me. Oh, my God. This exactly. is scary. Exactly. That's why, that's why I was like, scary. I was like, this is beautiful. He just <laughs> straight out asked. And yeah, so crazy. And so I feel like I, I came a, a pretty long way. Uh-huh. And then we'll fast forward through all the different conferences. And I don't know if you guys want to hear the tragedies, but no, that kind of ties into everything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's been through a couple of... Uh, uh, um, officer deaths mm-hmm. sure. also been through pulling dead kids out of canals as well throughout yeah. my career sure. and so I mean things just slowly were always there and the hardest part was during one of the officer's death is I was the one who made contact with the family wow and when I made that contact I'll be honest for the longest time that was that became my nightmare because mm-hmm. when you hear a wife scream that her husband's dead yes, that scream will never, never leave, leave you Hundred percent. Couldn't I? I couldn't agree more. So I, I haven't dealt with as much as you have. I've been on the job a fraction yeah. of yours. He's baby police, and, right? And and we shared a loss of one of our brothers uh, what, two years ago now. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like I, I totally understand what you're saying because it wasn't like the loss of him that crushed me because it was like we all know what we sign up for. Probably I know he knew that. Not that he was going to go that way. Yeah. You know, um, is tragic. But it was going to the hospital to be there with him, you know, after he passed. And when his wife showed up and hearing her cry when she went in to see him, that's what broke me. Yeah. That well, it broke makes me. it personal. You can put your own families yeah, in those was, situations. It was the suffering that's left behind. Yes. And man, I, I hadn't cried like that in, oh, I don't know, 20 years. Like, yeah. that was crazy. I, I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. And picking her up off the sidewalk. And yeah. Then- taking her there the whole way and then taking her home it's like now I, what i sounds horrible i felt helpless sure i i well, yeah, what do you do i mean i thought i had knowledge i thought i had training i thought i had tools and none, i didn't none of it brings anybody back no and, and this comes back again to you guys are trained to be problem solvers that's your whole job description but we forget to teach you in academies how to solve your own problems yeah. yeah, and how to deal with the things that you see and hear in the garbage that goes in the garbage can. And we forget to tell you, you're not going to solve everybody's problems. You could not solve that widow's problem. Not solvable. No. It's not solvable. And there's nothing you can do but be there and support her. Right. But you, but because your problem, you feel like you should be able to do something. Yeah. And that leads to hopelessness and frustration. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. Just kind of, 
turn the light bulb on a little bit more right. for me. <laughs> right, right. I have a way of doing that every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> she says smart things every now and then. What is it they say? Every squirrel, find, even a blind squirrel, finds yeah. a nut. <laughs> Broken clock twice a day. That kind of thing. <laughs> and so, yeah. And then I guess over time, I just I started feeling that, you know, maybe it's time for me to just step away and work on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so recently had a little get together and I was, I was inebriated to say the least. And sure. I was trying to get across the fact that, Hey, this is the reason why I was so passionate about peer support, about SISM, because I did it alone. I wanted no one to do it again. I was trying to explain to everyone, Hey, this is why, but in amongst my inebriation, I guess it kept going off and little tangents. I don't know. <laughs> and then wake up Sunday morning, go home, Think of nothing going on the day. And then next thing you know, I get a knock on my door between 2 and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's members of my team telling me that, hey, um, we need your gun. What the fuck? You need- These are members of your own peer team. Yeah. Yeah. And no intervention, no no questions when you're telling them your story the night before or whatever nothing 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 no no morning phone call of hey man you're a little drunk last night can we grab some coffee and clear some things up or hey we're having breakfast at the only buffet open you want to join us right. yeah i'd love to hey we need to talk to you or even anyone no knock for anything no phone call nothing wow yeah and this is so and my intuition on this is why i have an issue with department run or led peer support peer support right in-house peer support is it can start with the noblest of missions right absolutely but what happens is is it turns into a device for detecting liability yes it's so when you say hey i had these feelings once everybody's alarms go off because they went to an eight-hour training one time (laughs) and they're like oh he said the suicide word that means we have a job to do, right? Yes. So what do they do? They, they go in and they take away the tools, right? Because, of course, that stopped anyone before. Right. And But it to me, it feels like... Cause, so you haven't finished your story yet. Yeah. And, but I'm going to take a wild guess and say <laughs> that they showed up, took your gun and badge, and didn't offer any kind of resources to help you, oh. or they didn't help you ask you to come out, anything like that. I'm sure it was all liability-driven. And as soon as the liability boxes were checked, they were gone. Correct. Okay. And again, here's the interesting part that just always makes me laugh. We take your gun. Is that the only one you had? For this story, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let me put it this way. Did you know anybody who had a gun you might could have borrowed? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Could you have gone and bought, purchased another gun? Oh, yeah, Bass Pro Shop's open. Do you need so, me to lend you one? So, <laughs> so again, so we're, in a, we're in a position that we have taken Golly. one, but we have not eliminated the actual threat. We've just taken the department's liability part. Which is of, why it screams that. Yes. Oh, they also took my storage keys for my storage unit because I said I had a gun in my storage unit. Wow. They can do that? They they Apparently said we can. need your keys. Well, I know they did it, they but did I don't it. know if they can do that. I don't know, but they whatever punch code goes in for my storage unit, I better see a warrant, <laughs> or else I'm gonna be a rich man. <laughs> oh man, no kidding. But that and again, it flies in the face of the purpose of what peer support is supposed to be 
do yeah. And that's why since I got out here, I have been screaming this from the rooftops to fall on deaf ears that peer support should not be in-house. It should be either valley-wide, statewide. The team we have in Alabama covers the state. Yeah. And we don't let our peers go into their own county. We we really restrict all that. And it's not that it's because of any concerns of anybody ratting on anybody or anything. We don't like to put people in positions where if they have to work with someone, someone could feel awkward about something they said to them. Right. Yeah. And end up having to work for that person or absolutely. work with them on a team or whatever. Yeah. And it, you know, when it's in house, all your department's got to do is call you in, read you Garrity and say, okay, tell us what you know about what you know. Right. That's well, and, it. The, and the thing is, is like, so the, we were talking about a guy, so it, we haven't said this, but uh, Tua and I work together. Yes. We work at the same department. So we were talking about one of the guys that showed up and was part of this process um, that made it a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. So like this, this is a guy that I've also opened up to a little bit before. Right. Yeah. He and I are pretty close or were, he moved on to do admin stuff and whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I've, I've shared things with him. Right. And this, so this is again, the problem uh-huh. with this is I've shared things with him. He's got more seniority. He's further up the ladder. Right. We're, we're still on the same level, but he could make Sergeant far before I would. Right. Yeah. I could end up working for this guy mm-hmm. and then it becomes like a professional relationship. And now he knows things about me that will bias him. He's human. He can't like erase yeah. those things yeah. from his mind. Right. Yeah. And it's not because he's poor intentioned. Like, I don't think he was ill intentioned in any of this. No, I think it was poorly directed. Yeah. And... I don't think anybody was ill intentioned. I think it's oh, except people for the department. that have <laughs> people that have some knowledge. And it's interesting because I've trained uh, peer support all over this country and Canada and, and Europe, actually. Uh, I trained all the chaplain assistants in for the U.S. Uh, Air Force in Europe um, in advanced and group and individual peer support. And it's interesting because so, there are a lot of good people in this, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But then you have some that I remember one person in Alabama who kept going, does this make me a counselor? And the, my first thought is, why would you? want to call yourself yeah, counselor. Right. I work hard not to. <laughs> um, and but it's almost like okay, a little bit of knowledge now I'm going to take this and start diagnosing people yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that's not what this is about. Well, and on top of that, from my understanding is not only is it diagnosing, they're going to second guess everything that's been told to them and yes. what to do with it. Yes. And if you feel you're second guessing yourself, mm-hmm. that's not good. No. And this is also why peer support teams need to have a mental health clinician, preferably not licensed, over their team. Because again, and it's not that licensed mental health people are bad. They're not. But they do have obligations to report things. Yeah. And so I have seen it happen in debriefings and stuff that my team's done where if I had been a licensed mental health person... I would have had an obligation to report. Right. And that defeats the entire purpose of yeah. CISM. And as we call it in under the shield, SIPS, we've actually changed the model. We call it critical instant peer support because we believe that's what it is. Yeah. Right? And so, unfortunately, it takes situations like yours for it to finally start to come out that in-house can be dangerous. Yeah. And I, I am proof because, I mean... 
You can ask. I mean, I've have promoted everyone, and everyone knows. Oh yeah, he's he's behind it. He's doing all he can. It's you can trust the team. Yep. And now I am shattered. Yes. By right. my team. Well, and this is this. I was going to point this out because you some of the resistance that you probably get mm-hmm. when we're contacting these teams and trying to say like, hey, you know, there's a better way, is we we might come in contact with a guy like you, right? Totally motivated by the right reasons. Yes. Doing it for the right purpose. It is not about the department's best interest, right? Yeah. That might be involved to some degree when it's necessary, but that's it's really pretty far down the list. It's really about helping the officer, the person, yes. right? Yes. And so we're talking, to, say we're talking to somebody like you who hasn't been double-crossed by their own team, <laughs> right? It, you're going to fight for your team and its validity and yes. the things that it stands for and why you're helping people. And like, no, we shouldn't be dismantled. We're doing good things. Yeah, and would... then and then this thing comes out and kicks your legs out from under you, and you're like, "Oh, this is yeah. what I she see it." <laughs> <laughs> right? Like the crazy redhead from Alabama right. wasn't stupid after all. Because yeah. <laughs> in the end, it's it you don't have control over it. No, the department does. Yeah, and it no matter how much you're running it or whatever, because they're gonna let you run until they decide they don't want you to. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they just take it out from under you, and that's just so unfortunate. And that's the problem. You don't know it goes bad till it goes bad. Yeah, it's too late by then. Exactly. And that was what I was trying to bring to the table out here because I had almost 20 years in it when I moved out to Arizona. And, you know, and they're all looking at me. There's no money in peer support for for people who don't have peer support. There's no money in peer support. No. For any of us. That's not what it's about. So it wasn't about that. But people get very territorial. And it's just really interesting to me. I actually had a... a, (laughs) kind of a knockdown drag out with somebody at a department who was over their internal affairs and over peer support. And he couldn't understand when I'm telling him that's a conflict of interest. Exactly. He said he could do both. No, you can't. No, both of those things are very specific. Cause like you said, you can't, well, you can't unring a bell. Yeah, it's done. When you've heard it, you heard it. Right. And <clears throat> so this is where peer support teams need to learn and again, in a New York, an NYPD, they had they have an organization there called PAPA, Police Organization Providing Peer Assistance. Yeah. That's who I went to New York with for the five weeks. And yeah, Rich Mack, right? Yes. Yeah. And you're talking about a department at that time of forty two thousand people. Good lord. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And now they're probably in the upper thirties. So you can almost have in house there because every precinct is almost a police department in itself. Oh, exactly. It's like a city. Yes. And so it's not as big a deal in your major, major cities. But, you know, I don't even like it at Phoenix. They have in-house there. And I'm, and the guys tell me, we're not going to talk to people in our own agency. Well, it's just dangerous. It is. Right? Because there's no guarantee. Right? Because I've, I've had some of the same people that took what you said to them and then went to, I would assume, a commander to, mm-hmm. to go over this. It, I have had those same people come to me and say, like, hey, you can talk to me about whatever's going on. Because you and I both know I've been in some trouble before. Oh, month. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I've had these peer support people come and be like, hey, I know you might be stressed out with what's going on. You can talk to us. And we don't share with anyone. I don't, I don't tell your sergeant, your lieutenant. I don't tell chief. I don't tell anyone. Oh, bullshit. <laughs> right i'm gonna call bullshit uh-huh because uh, uh-huh. clearly they do yeah. when they feel oh well it's, it's out of my hands now when, well what who decides that so yeah, what, what, when they take that little eight hour of training yeah. and now suddenly they're brilliant with all of it yeah right like, and, and let's give some of them credit some of them do get three days <laughs> <laughs> some of the certifications are three days people 
So let's give them a little more credit than eight hours, but it's still just three days. Right. It, it illustrates the point, though, that it's a little... I, th- I think we said it before we started recording. They get just enough knowledge to become dangerous. Yes. Right? But my question is, why do you think they didn't even come to you and try to talk to you? I don't know. It, that That is the biggest question that's been bothering me to this... to Still to this moment. Well, I'm super jaded and I have an answer. Oh, go ahead. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the people that I know that are on that team, as far as I can remember, and I'm sure I can't name them all off the top of my head, are part of the administrative staff. Yeah. And as far as I have come in contact with in my very short term, I, everyone who becomes part of the administrative staff goes from being more similar to me being like, hey, you know, there needs to be balance between administration and police work and all these kind of things. And as soon as they make administrative staff, they are like 100% for it. Right? They may have their disagreements amongst them. They squabble in their own little clique. But there is, they, they are part of that machine now. And that machine monitors liability. That's it. Yeah. So, because you and I both know it. Anybody in a polo shirt walking through the department, if you mention anything that has anything to do with liability around them, they get nervous, man. They're like a wet cat. Yeah. Oh, geez. Like, they get nervous. And that's exactly, as soon as you said what you said, I'm sure two of them looked at each other like, "Uh uh-oh, we have to say something now. Yeah. Like, that's exactly what happened. I guarantee it. And then they were like, "Uh, well, we we have to. It's it's like, we could get in trouble. The policy said, like, it has nothing to do with giving a shit about you. Yeah. It has everything to do with protecting oneself and the department doing that via them. Yeah. That's that and so that's sad. And that's my personal opinion. Now, I know when they listen to this because I know a couple of those guys listen to the podcast. Oh yeah. I'm sorry guys, you, you I'm going to put it plainly, you fucked up. Well, you're dead in the water. It's well, yeah, you you made a misstep. Well, Cuz this is going to well, get out in the department. I don't I don't I mean, oh, come on now. When I'm in almost when I'm in my fit for duty test, mm-hmm. that Clinician, whatever she was, mm-hmm. she actually said, well, they fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she told me that in my fit for duty test. She's like, she goes, yeah, you're a little nuts, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, y'all are crazy. Was, but yeah, but, but, but she's, like, she's like, wow. She goes, I bet you feel more stabbed in the back than you do anything Absolutely. else. I said, yeah. And this is in my little meeting. I mean, I might come out and I don't know if they can get notes. I don't know. But yeah, it, she was yeah, like. Yeah, they'll get everything. She was like, wow. She was like, wow, that you should be hurt by that. I, mm-hmm. I was. Still am. Yeah, well, no doubt. And, and again, here's how the, how it's going to be looked at because you and I both know it will get around the department, not even 100% accurately, but it doesn't have to. Yeah, wildfire. But it will get around. Wildfire. Who, if they will do that to you, who's one of them, then everybody is susceptible to this happening. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the SISM team cut its own throat because... It's done. There's there's no... And I'm a huge advocate of opening up and talking. Like, I have literally said everything I've ever felt and thought. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> what a shocker uh, that right. is. <laughs> so, I'm... Because it for me, it, it only helps, right? It yeah. opens up doorways and it helps and it allows other people to understand, like, hey, man, you, you are not, like, an individual in this. Like, this has happened to so many people. We're way more similar than people might think, yeah, right? And I think that's why it's so useful to be able to talk. And now they've just killed that entirely. Any good that an in-house crisis or SISM team would have done, it's now dead. Because here's the the flip side. What if one of the team members or somebody at your department makes a statement of, a week ago, I wanted to go kill somebody? You know, we all say that. We are, yeah, man, I could have killed him. Um, what's to say they won't go, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute now. Yeah. 
Now we've got another Here, issue. Here, here's the thing, right? Is like we, we learned this one because all of us have had, yeah, we all have children. Yeah. So when your kid does something, right, <laughs> and you punish them, what you teach them to do is to not do that thing again. So you talked about your past and the things that had hurt you and had taught you lessons, right? Yeah. The things you'd gone through and you were punished. Yeah. In, in essence, right? Yeah. Took your badge, your gun, your livelihood, right? You may be still getting paid or not. That's We can leave that off the air. But <laughs> it's but it, whatever their legal regulations are, that you've been taught now and the rest of us have been taught, oh, I get it. So like they didn't help you not be suicidal if that's what you were, right? Yeah. Which we've all determined that's not what you were. Right. Correct. Um, currently, right? You were previously. Previous. That was the story. Right. But Almost that, a decade ago. Right? Nine years ago. But yes. they, they took steps to... To relieve themselves of responsibility for your suicide. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So what we've learned now is, oh, so if I'm suicidal, don't talk about it. Correct. Because yes. I'm going to get my livelihood taken away and they're still not going to help me. Yes. Yes. So there's no benefit to talking about it. Yeah. Right. So it, if there's anything to glean from it, command staff, if you're listening, listen closely. <laughs> we, we've learned that we can't talk to you. Right. Yeah. That's it. So, okay, so who do we talk to then? Hi, Susan. Hey. <laughs> yes, gentlemen, what would you like to talk about? We can have group in here today. Marlo <laughs> and And that is the saddest yeah. reality to me and flies in the face of everything that I believe, everything that Under the Shield stands for, yeah. and it's just heartbreaking. And the thing about it is this can bleed to every SISM team out here absolutely yeah because it isn't like y'all live in a vacuum y'all y'all both know people at all the other agencies all around and it doesn't take you know i laugh about i was in junior league and i was in a sorority in college and let me tell you something we could have learned from y'all about how to get a grapevine going no kidding. you know we thought we could spread gossip shoot y'all make us look like amateurs yeah. see the trick is is you tell people it's a secret that's, that's it. how you ensure that it will get told to other people. <laughs> and so, again, this is going to impact not just peer support at your department. Yeah. It's going to impact. And now that we've put it on this podcast. Yeah, you're welcome. It's now going to impact peer support. And, and that, I, th- I think really, though, that is kind of the point. Is it it's is. like, you know, I get it. You guys are doing good things. But y- you are not you, you are not a free agent. You are subject to your department. And the policies and liabilities therein, and the people above you that have those in concern, because mm-hmm. they, ha- the people that are concerned about liability, they're the ones that have power over you. Yes. So, at so let's any- spread it out. Right. So that's that, and that's why there has to be balance of power, right? That's why. Yes. That's why we have the different branches of government. Well, we'll find out. Right. Yeah. Well, we, that's why we had the <laughs> we'll different branches of government. <laughs> and, right. and it's crazy during when they came to. When they took my gun, I knew the I knew the process. I know this process well because I've done a lot of research in it because I'd never wanted to mess it up. Right. Sure. I didn't want to mess it up. And like one of my first things is I go, Who's my POC? Mm-hmm. And they look at each other like, What's that? I'm like, point of contact. Oh no, this is just a cooling down period. We're just taking this for forty eight hours so you can cool down. I go, so I can be back at work on Wednesday? Yep, you can be back on Wednesday. I'm like, so no fit for duty test? Nope, you don't need one. It's not gonna happen. This is just only cooling down. <laughs> You're just gonna cool down. So I go I so I can I go, so what when am I getting my gun back? Because I go, I I'm gonna make sure I can be back to work on Wednesday. Right. Knowing damn good and well I know the full process. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, who's so I don't have a point of contact? No, you don't have one. I'm like What's my PAA, my plan of action? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you don't need that. This is just cooling down, period. That's all they could get telling me. 
as you're as you're securing as i yeah. see the third person take my firearm and secure it in his vehicle like i'm still going to chase him down for it right <laughs> you're right, yeah. right. <laughs> hey you forgot the bullets well, and he knows i'm faster he knows he's faster than me i'm not going to catch him <laughs> right <laughs> So when did you find out about the fit for duty and how did you find out? I did not find out until Tuesday afternoon around three o'clock. When you're planning on going to work the next day. Yeah, I'm planning on going to work. (laughs) Well, actually, no, it had to be Monday. Oh, yeah, Monday. Monday at my bed. Monday afternoon about three o'clock. And it was like, hey, um, you need to call this person and set up an appointment. I'm like, is it a fit for duty? And they're like... (laughs) No, it's just just an appointment, just scheduling it. I'm like, come on, people. Why are they dancing? <laughs> exactly. Say it. the truth. Yes. Are, and then I ask, are you my point of contact? Well, I can be it, or someone else can be the point of contact. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. Can I be my own point of contact? Because I can get this done a lot quicker. Right, yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. That's the, that's the key oh, here. And so then I call HR. HR is like, and I know the process. You call HR. HR is going to call Kit Pro, who's, who, um, goes through eap mm-hmm. and they're gonna they have a list of people they set and i called up i said when's the f- soonest one i can get in they're like wednesday morning 9 30 fantastic you me get that number oh we got to confirm it so they, they, they're doing their job really well answer their questions and sure. after that then finally it's tuesday afternoon i finally just say hey we got to let you know there's official email that we have to send you it's not a big deal oh it's God. just coming from this is from hr that we have to send you that you're on leave until further notice yeah no big deal yeah, no, but big no big deal. deal. <laughs> no big deal. You're just not a cop right now. It's like you might be though. We're just we're still deciding. No big deal. And so that it's just who you've been for 20 years. And so that's what's going on. Like it's like I'm like man, this is hilarious. If they're at least, I guess I wouldn't be as hurt if I at least if they understood their own process that they're supposed to use. But mm-hmm. obviously, no one really truly understands it. I think I was the only one who really knew everything. Like. The moment you report it, I knew I had a fit for duty test coming. I knew I was going to be put on administration leave. I knew, I knew, I knew. No one else knew. Well, that's all. I mean, and it only makes sense. Yeah. Because we don't take your gun and badge and then just walk up to you one day and go, here you go. Yeah. (laughs) We got to have somebody else out here that specializes or is mental health that we can now basically pass the liability to. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they clear you, now it's on them. Yeah. We're okay. We're, you know, the department's good. Because if he goes out here and does something, we got a place to go back to now. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of times some of the mental health people necessarily understand that. The whole premise behind peer support is supposed to be to help people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if, and I, I don't know if you and I even got to talk about this too or not, but at Under the Shield, we believe for there to really be improvement in law enforcement, there has to be a three-tiered approach. Peer support, the stress coaches, and licensed mental health. And there's a psychologist friend of mine in Texas, and and she believes that the stress coaches should be kind of the liaison between the officer and the department and the officer and the licensed mental health in that the stress coaches can actually vet the licensed mental health okay. to make sure that they have some level of a law enforcement background. And we believe that if people are going to be EAPs for police departments um, or police psychologists, that they should have to do ride alongs. Um, I've told the story. I did a full SWAT school when I started under the shield. I was out full gear, running, gunning, climbing, 
shot better than some, I'd like you to know. <laughs> kind of put some of those SWAT boys to shame. I believe you. Um, I, I did narcotics training. I did hostage negotiation training. I did anything that I could get into in the beginning in order to not just be right. somebody's wife. I wanted to really put myself, immerse myself in the lifestyle. And I think I'm not expecting them all to get out here and do a SWAT school. But I do think if they're going to talk to officers that have been involved in shootings, you might should probably have a little bit of firearms experience. Right. Yeah. Well, that's why I love where we have officers like Tua. I'm going to get that wrong. I'm going to start calling you Pua. And that's pig. <laughs> that, and, that works too. Um, so, hey, but, you. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm going to. Or I like that we get officers to come in. That's why I want to do it so yes. bad. And that's yes. why I've been, that's why I love being part of the podcast. Why I love talking to people about this and talking to people at my department and my squad. It's because we have that little bit of insight, right? Absolutely. That, that maybe the mental health professionals that haven't worked law enforcement don't have, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about it a hundred times. You see what you're trained to see. Mm-hmm. They, they're, they're trained to stop you from dying. Right. That's what like doctors, right? They're sure. going to stop you from dying or stop you from feeling pain. That's a pretty big one now. It's like that, that's so that's all they're going to do. They're going to do whatever they have to do to get that done. Sure. Come what may. Right. Sure. And just like liability hounds. Right. Like that's their job at the top. Is, Absolutely. OK, we need to divert liability from the department. Right. Yeah. Because God forbid, if he does this, as tragic as that would be, it, there's things that happen after you're dead. Yeah. That they have to deal with. Right. So yes. they have to plan for that. That's part of their job. But there has to be somebody there that can balance that, that can say, okay, I got you, liability. How do we cover liability and stop him from killing himself? How do we do that? Well, that would be important. And not threaten <laughs> the livelihood. Right. Well, because I, I think that further, I think you've already said this, basically, or at least implied it, that that further damages the individual. Mm-hmm. That yeah. doesn't, that, me taking away your livelihood, your job, your passion, the thing, your trade, your craft... That does not <laughs> that does not resolve your problems, right? Yeah. Unless you've just like you, all it is is I'm not even going to say unless. That's such a fabricated thing that I was about to say. So like it, that doesn't fix anything. So you need you need to have the balance of the two. And when you have what you think is the balance, right, which is the SISM team working underneath the liability guy, he, all he has to do is override them because liability is more important to him because yep. that's his job, oh, right? Sure. Like it. Okay, got it, right? Lieutenant, it's your job to be, or commander, whatever, it's your job to care about the liability and take care of the department. Okay, who's your counterpart, mm-hmm. right? That should be an under the shield thing or whatever. Yes. It doesn't have to be that, but it has to be something like that that's not accountable to them, that doesn't, that it's not about liability for them. Right. Right, yeah, yeah. so it's like. And I want to ask you too, if if nine years ago, when you were in that dark place, if they had come then if they had heard and they had come then and taken your gun and badge would that have been helpful to you at all no and this is the other thing that i want mental health if there's any of you out there listening to hear me because i had a debate with a psychologist one time about this and the comment was made i deal with suicidal officers in here all the time in here on the phone whatever And that psychologist felt I was negligent in letting the officer leave my house with their gun. And I laughed and said, well, I wasn't going to fight him for it. First of all, I mean, 
if you had one that I might want, then that might <laughs> motivate me a little more. But, but I said, and then what? Get a U-Haul and back it up at his house and unload them all. And again, he, he knows people with guns. But I, the, per, the psychologist said, their life is more valuable than their job. And cognitively, I agree 100%. Right. But I also looked at the psychologist and said, but that tells me you know nothing about this industry. Right. Yeah. Because this is a group that has made a decision to go towards the gunfire, not away from it. And if you don't believe me, turn on video of 9-11. Yeah. And I guarantee you, not one cop, not one firefighter, not one emergency service person stopped and thought, I could die. They just went. And even if they did, it's like, that doesn't matter. They still were moving forward, yeah. going where they had to go. Yeah. So when you're dealing with people with that kind of mentality, and everybody's not cut out to do this job. We know that. Agreed. But when people are cut out to do this job, sometimes taking their job can be the final straw to why they might kill themselves. Yeah. So I've... I've I've been re-obsessing with Jordan Peterson. I just started again. I'm like six hours deep for two days. <laughs> oh, um, so, Here we go. <laughs> and we talk, and he, he talks a lot about purpose, right? Yeah. About finding one's purpose and yes. why that's so important and how that gives you, you know, a place in the world and, and joy and happiness. All this, well, happiness isn't really the goal. Anyway, I'm not right. going to Peterson this up. But when you, so two things. One, we talked about how, you, right, their life is more important than their job. Yes. Okay. And like you said, cognitively on its face, that makes sense. If you're an accountant. Yes. <laughs> so we literally sign on the line and then swear to in front of a legal system that it's not. Right. Right? Yes. So it, that's out the window now. So now that that argument is killed. So when you, then, then it's no longer I'm taking their job away from them. Right? I mentioned purpose. This that's is my it. purpose. Yes. I wake up in the morning, like I'm. I'm on light duty, technically. I'm really not going to work because they don't have light duty right now. But I'm on light duty. I have my badge. I have my gun. I yes. have an extra magazine in my pocket. I'm still... And I have a red man stick <laughs> just for the audience to understand. And but anyway. And she'll still win the fight. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, it's, it's still part of who I am. And yes. I get it's a little different for everyone. But it is a purpose that I have taken right because like we talked about earlier this isn't something that like makes sense on paper no right if we got paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year to get shot at eh, maybe maybe right maybe (laughs) and it's more of like a contractor gig right (laughs) you know like well i ask people that though when they when an officer gets killed in the line of duty and they go well that's why he gets paid the big bucks and i always ask oh my gosh what kind of salary would you attach to a job that you tell someone, you're probably going to die on the line of duty. Right. How much is a life worth? Well, how much is that's, it? That's the question you're They asking. could never give me that. And I said, let me assure you, they make a lot less than what you're even thinking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. It, so it's it, we. this is a purpose that we've given ourselves, right? Something we've agreed to. Mm-hmm. And on many different levels, there are so many different types of cops. Absolutely. We all love different things. We have passions about different things. Like just you and me to it, we're, we're different, right? Like you have passions for things that... I'm less outwardly passionate. Well, maybe was less outwardly passionate about. I find myself going down the same path, right? Like (laughs) I'm I'm finding the same love that you have for those kind of things and those relationships. But like, I just wanted to kick down doors, chase bad guys and like win fights against bad dudes. That's, (laughs) I was the last. So in the Academy, when they, when we're all sitting down, there were 25 of us 
and they go through it and I'm last, right? Because my last name starts with a W. So I'm at the end. Yeah. And they go through and it's like, oh, I want to protect and serve and whatever. And like the, the sheriff was there and he was asking him all this. And so it finally gets to me and I was like, I want to chase bad guys and kick down doors with a gun, sir. And he's like, and he starts clapping and he's like, thank God somebody told the truth. And I was like, I was like, that's kind of how it felt. Like, I know that's what I want to do. And I feel like everybody kind of wants to, you know, be the hero or whatever. Like, yeah. we, we want to make a difference. Right. We have a calling, right? So mm-hmm. this gives us purpose. This is not a job. No. And I'll fight anyone who says it is, and especially the cops that call it a job. I yes. hate that. Yeah. But it's, it's so much bigger than that. So you can't just take it away and think it'll solve all their problems because you you just removed you just excised a huge part of that person that was probably keeping them around yes so now i'm depressed i'm stuck in a hole that i can't get out of i hate my marriage Mm -hmm. i hate my life and now you've taken my purpose yes goodbye cruel world yes you're gonna find me hanging from the rafters yeah that goes back to nine years ago i mean but i mean you just take it last week i mean last week when they took it i mean i probably have never been more emasculated in my life for sure of course I mean, it was basically a proverbial kick to the taint with a steel-toed boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the sad part is yeah. a simple conversation with you probably would have headed this off. Exactly. That's all it took. Yeah. Have they called you since then to like check on you? Only, I think they're, my honest opinion right now is they're under direct order to not reach out. That's my, that's my That's my opinion. One person has reached out and he says, hey, man, are we good? I said... Are we good in what terms? Because now <laughs> I'm going to classify those people into three different categories. Right. Professional, mm-hmm. personal, or schism. And if it's not professional, I don't want to talk to either one of those right. other two categories. Right. So I will classify them in those three senses now. Yep. Yep. It, it is so unnecessary. This is peep, This is not rocket science, because if it was, I wouldn't be doing it. Let me assure you. <laughs> I couldn't even pass, you know... Uh, what was it? Basic math in college. Um, it, it's just not that hard. We don't have to make it that difficult. Right. We make it that difficult when we put it in house. Yeah. That's when you start putting restrictions, limitations, yeah, you set up conflict. things in it. And, and you know, even perceptions, because I've heard about peer support team members out here. I don't know them, but I hear officers say, well, I wouldn't talk to that one because I know they've got a big mouth. They're known for running around and spreading gossip. True or not, it doesn't matter. Right. The perception is that perception is reality. And I laugh at talking about the mental health side of this stuff because, again, I've said this. Y'all are better psychologists than most PhDs I know. And I made that statement in a training in Dallas and really ticked off the Dallas psychologist, (laughs) no, the psychologist for the department, was in the training. I didn't know he was in there. Didn't really care. So tell me your thoughts about peer support now and how how you're, I mean, you're not going to just drop off the face of the planet, are you? No, not at all. I, this is, I mean, that, that night I was trying to tell him, it was also one of the nights I also want to say, you know what, it's time for me to step away. I mean, Mm -hmm. because I feel like I've been carrying a lot of loads of just different emotions and people's feelings and thoughts and. I was like, it's time to step away. Now it's like I've actually been reinvigorated because of this. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to step away. I'm going to step on the better path. I mean, I'm going to, instead of wearing my my slippers or flip-flops, whatever people want to call them, I'm actually going to put on some good running shoes and get this going in process, get get the true mental health out there. Good. Yep. Good. Yeah, it's, and it's, we've it's, talked about him coming on at Under the Shield. 
have we? Yes, we Ooh, have. That's yes. exciting. Yes, and, uh, and and like I said, I I mean, and I, I I'm one thing that I don't know if I've told you before, but I'm actually in the process of trying to finish up my degree in uh, pastoral and biblical studies. You did, yeah. That's a way I can never be considered a mandatory reporter. Yeah. Oh right, uh, clerical staff, clerical, clergy, clergy, clergy. Right? clergy. But you're also going to go through our stress coach certification, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yep. And I, I even offered him. Yep. I better. I yep. even, I even offered to pay for it. I didn't know. I was like, I will pay out of pocket right now. Yeah. And so hopefully we can, we just got to find a location that will let us do it with COVID in January. That's going to be our big thing now is we need a place that will give us a a week because yeah. it's a full week. I wonder if we could talk to the department into it. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all let me know how that works out for and, you. Yeah. And see, and that's just it. I, I mean... Before I was like, okay, I'm I'm done. But now it's like I, I see the true light of mental health is out there, and this is the much better way. Yep. Yeah, yep. peer support is vital. There is no question about it. But again, it's all in how it's done. Exactly. And right, it's a tool. It is. It's not. It's not like a not the end all be all. It's not this big multitasker, right? Like no. every tool we have is for a particular purpose and circumstance and this circumstance dictates what tool we use. Yes. Not the tool. We don't we don't just like square round hole like that's that's not how that works. Yeah. But that's how they do it a lot because that's the only tool that they have in parentheses that they have control over. Right? Yep. Sending them out to someone else or doing whatever, they don't get to know what happens. They don't know if they're in liability for anything. They don't get to know any information. So it's scary to to outsource that tool so they have that in team that that SISM team and it's it, not effective. And we've everybody. had peer support for many, many years. Yeah. You know, 30 plus years. We've had licensed mental health through EAPs for many, many years. And things are still going bad. Yeah. Something is missing. And this is where Under the Shield comes in and tries to help fill that void through training, through the stress coaching. And again, our stress coaches, you have to have done it, been married to it, raised by it, or given birth to it. Yeah. Because we want people with real life experience that can, it, it's kind of advanced peer support. It's kind of the way I look at it. You get a lot more training, plus you always have an experienced stress coach to mm-hmm. contact as you begin to do this, because we require you to do internships. And you always have to let somebody know what you got going on and how you handled it. And it's a place to call if you got to get stuck. Because we tell our stress coaches, don't don't get out of your comfort zone. Just like we tell our peers and peer support, don't get out of your comfort zone. You got to have the next place to call. And that's what I'm finding many of the teams out here are missing. They don't have the next level to call other than within the department. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you got to have something else. So I think that's vital. But, um, you know, I don't want anybody to think we're saying peer support is bad. It's not at all. It's a great tool. It's just I'm not sure how it got twisted up to that it needed to be in-house. I don't know where that came from because that was never the plan. When we started 25, 26 years ago, the peer support team in Alabama, it was never going to be in-house anywhere. It was multi-agency across the board. EMS, paramedics. All of it, fire, everything. First thought, it's free. Yes. If, if you just take a cop and you're like, hey, I'm going to send you to a training mm-hmm. so that your other cops can talk to you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to pay you extra exactly. to do that. It doesn't cost me anything out of pocket to, to send anyone anywhere. I have it all in-house and best part, they're answerable to me. And you know what? And I have to brag on my departments in Alabama that 
we have peer support in because a lot of them would even let the guys go on duty to do debriefings with us in different parts of the state. They would even let them drive their marked units. Oh, well. Wow. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, because in, in the way some of the chiefs and sheriffs said to me um, was, you know, if I can let my people go somewhere, then that means there's a resource from another agency that can come back to us. Right? Yeah. And it's like teaching your kids to share. It's reciprocative. In that, that con- what <laughs> yeah. a concept that is. You give, they give back. It's yes. A relationship. Yes. And it's and it's beneficial and it works that way. And that's really the only way I've ever seen it work. So it's um it's a good plan and it's stuff that again when you start cuz you look at it here in the valley. Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Especially in 2018 when they had the most officer-involved shootings in the country of any agency, how busy they could have kept a multi-agency team here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And these are perishable skills. Very much so. If you don't use them, you do lose them. And so when you can take smaller, smaller agencies, get some peer support in those places, and then put them in to do debriefings in large agencies, plus really small agencies don't have enough people to be able to train peer support because it's probably going to be the peer support person that gets involved in the event. Yeah. Right. And then what are they supposed to do? And it's like, I take my team goes to over to Buckeye over in the West Valley. We do all their critical incident debriefings. And it's usually guys from Phoenix that go with me. Yeah. And it's funny for the Buckeye guys and they, they have Phoenix come in volunteering their time to come in and they've been through some stuff and it, it's a it's a great experience. The debriefings are unbelievable. So that's why we're thrilled to have you coming on board here at Under the Shield. Oh, yeah. We're going to put your skills to use um, in a lot of different ways. And it's stuff that your your whole thing is going to be broadened tremendously. I, I'm just looking forward to learn. I want to learn more. And the more I learn, the more I can just be just benefit people. Sure. sure. Yeah. It's addictive, starting to understand how people work. Like for me, I'm I'm just like you're way further down the journey and you even more so because it's been your whole life's calling, right? <laughs> but like for me, it, I found first in myself like, oh, okay, I'm a little messed up. Like I thought I was like good to go. Like I had never faced uh-huh. any big tragedy. Not like I was fine. And then I came in here because I was like, I can't figure this stuff out. She's like, yeah, it's because you're all messed up. <laughs> I was like, I'm fine. The world is broken. Yeah, right? It's like, this whole environment. Yeah. Like, no, my, my wife is being dumb and my department's being dumb. She's like, no, you're being dumb. And I was you're like, the common oh, denominator here. <laughs> I see. So, like, I totally get that, uh, that, finding that knowledge, how it broadens how you're able to interact in the world and solve your problems. Then you can start help other people to solve their problems. And really what it turns into is you're just teaching people tools so that when they come in contact with a problem, they know how to deal with it or at least one way. Yeah. You know, something is better than nothing. It's always better than digging a damn hole. Yeah. And the (laughs) fact that you've had issues and are willing to admit them gives you credibility. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it really does. It's huge. And that if we didn't learn that from anything, we learned it from Chris. Yeah. Because, Again, he has incredible respect at his department. Now, it took a while, but it's because he truly went through something, but he in turn uses it. He doesn't, you know, wear it like a badge of honor, but he does go out and he talks to other officers and they know they can come to him anytime, day or night. And he has been there and done it just like you have. It's going to be easy for you to look someone in the face and go, 
hey, been there, done that. You know, felt that way. Yeah. And then right off the bat, you've got rapport built already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's important, especially when someone, when they walk in this office the first time, they have no idea whether this is going to be good for them or bad for them. That's true. And when they sit down <laughs> and then they say, yeah, I had my gun in my mouth last night. That's a very scary moment for a police officer. Yeah. And then when I go, huh, okay, join the club. Lots of people sat on that couch, <laughs> had their gun in their mouth. <laughs> you know, let me assure you. And then you can just see the sense of relief. And I'm like, not reporting anybody. You're just not leaving that couch until I'm comfortable that you're in a better place. Yeah. If that takes six hours, it takes six hours. Yeah. I've spent a lot of hours on that couch. Yes, he has. <laughs> Three <laughs> no, hours. He wasn't suicidal. Please, let's make sure we oh, got yeah. that clear. Yeah. Oh, no, they're already that, at my house waiting for me to come that home. That wasn't the issue. <laughs> I'm wearing my badge. Uh, my gun's in the locker next to my bed. <laughs> uh, you're welcome to it. But it's about being honest and open and vulnerable and saying, this is normal. It's okay. Yeah. We just got to work through it. Yeah. And it usually comes down to sleep deprivation. I bet you were very sleep deprived during that tough time in your life. Oh, yeah. No doubt. That changes everything. Yeah. So we cannot thank you enough for opening up with us today and telling us about your recent experience here and have no doubt you're going to come out of this with flying colors. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And just looking forward to having you on the team here at Under the Shield. Yeah, we'll have to do like a six-month update or something. Yeah. Catch back up with you after things have moved forward. Oh, no, seriously. I I mean, we can do two months. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as everything is uh, off the books, on the papers, yeah, I will definitely be more than one to open up about everything I know I can. Awesome. Terrific, terrific. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in again to our... We think 17th episode. I don't know. I'm well, too old. Like I don't know why, why do you make me responsible for numbers? I'm the old one here. You're supposed to be the smart one. <laughs> well, that, that's a given. <laughs> but, it, but it doesn't remember, mean I remember it for very long. Um, but we hope you will join us next week. Chris will be back, we think. He has had COVID yeah. and um, actually probably could have come today, but we didn't want to push it. Yeah, he so, survived, man. He's one of that really small 99.9%. Yes, <laughs> That, I mean, this is a miracle, guys, that he made it. It is. And you'll want to hear him on here next week. Uh, so he'll be back with us next week, and we hope you will uh, join us. Again, thank you for all you do, your sacrifices. We thank your families. And just know we're here for you at Under the Shield. You can call us 24-7, 365. Never going to ask your name. And I do want to stick this in, too, because this is something else that was made I was made aware of recently. We do not track your phone numbers when you call us i understand that some of the national suicide hotlines actually send officers out to do yes welfare checks on these calls that come in Uh, we had somebody grill us the other night that called in and i was talking to him and they kept asking me do you know where i am and i'm going i have no idea in what part of the world you're in we do not have your numbers when you call our 855 number it routes to the office in mesa the phone number you dial is the number that shows up on the stress coach's phone. So no, we do not send people to do welfare checks. We get disconnected. You have to call us back because we have no way to call you. So please, if you need help, especially during these tough times right now and holidays are here, you know, it's not all hallmark moments for all of us. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us. Yeah, for sure. You guys, uh, whatever issues you're facing, let me tell you, I've talked to a lot of people and 
other people have faced the same issues. We are all so similar. I was having a conversation. I'm just going to throw this in. Yeah. This was an important conversation I had. I don't know how many of you are Christians. I find that's pretty popular in our uh, craft, but it, I am of only about 12 years, right? So I'm pretty new to the whole game. But something that I had trouble understanding is when they talked about how Christ suffered for all sin, right? Yes. To me, that was kind of unfathomable. I was like, how did he do that? Like, he bled out of every pore. It's like, okay, well, not all suffering is physical. Like, it didn't make sense to me, right? So on this journey that I've had over the last year with Under the Shield and sorting out my own problems, I've come to understand, especially recently, I've come to understand that the people around me are suffering circumstances that are so similar mm-hmm. in what their core is, like the issues that they're having personally and the things that they're having to overcome. Um, they all look different on the surface, but as soon as you dig down and we, we get taught the tools to do that a little bit, Susan provides us with those, but we we can dig down to the core and we see that these problems are so similar yes. that we it, it makes so much more sense now how he suffered for all the sins and all the suffering because it's all pretty much the same, right? Yes. Uh, there's different degrees, but really it's it's so similar and we're all human. We all make the same mistakes. Biologically, we're all pretty damn similar. Yep. So it, reach out to somebody, talk to somebody. I guarantee you there's somebody out there who knows what you're going through or at least can relate. And it, they, because you're talking to them, they've made it through it and you can too. So just talk to somebody. Um, you'll get there. You'll be all right. Uh, if anything, call Susan. She's helped me a lot. And and make sure you get the. I want this recorded. Susan is always mostly right. I don't know. I'm Try sorry. that again. All right. Susan's always right. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I do this. <laughs> you guys take care out there. We love you and hope you'll join us next week. Yep. Phone numbers in the description below. We love you guys. See you next time.